This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our first employment law podcast of 2023. I'm Nick Hurley, and I'm the head of the employment group at Charles Russell Speechley's. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Emily Chalkley, who is a senior associate in our team. We're going to be talking to you today about what's coming up um, in the next 12 months, uh, what's really on the employment law horizon. And we'll be looking at two things specifically. We'll be looking at what's coming down the pipe in terms of legislation, and we'll also be looking at case law too. So perhaps before looking at what's coming up in this year, we'll have a quick look back at 2022. It wasn't really a stellar year for legislative change. And I suspect to a large extent, the pandemic and the COVID effect uh, meant that the government was focused on other things. We were expecting to see a number of items come out of the employment bill in 2019, but really none of these things materialized last year. Instead, what we appear to be seeing now is the government supporting a number of private members bills, which are intending to cover the same or similar areas. And we're going to touch on these today. We've also seen, of course, some fairly dramatic changes in the way that people work. You'd have to be living in a cave not to uh, not to have experienced the impact of hybrid working. And the way that people work is, I think, going to continue to change um, as various uh, trends develop. For example, there has been a four-day working week pilot that's been ongoing that's involved 100 employers. Um, it's a six-month pilot. The idea is that employees receive 100% of their pay for working 80% of their hours. Um, on the basis that they can maintain the same level of productivity. So we may see more traction in relation to these type of trends uh, in, in the coming months uh, and in the coming years. Nick, that was a really helpful look back on 2022. And it sounds like a lot of the legislation was put on hold, but potentially there's quite some quite big statutory changes coming into play in 2023. Can you tell us what they are? Yeah, thanks, Emily. I mean, I think, I think you can divide it up into um, some very large ticket items and some less um, significant uh, areas. But just perhaps to focus on, I think, what I would describe as the big ticket reforms. The first thing I'd mention is the Brexit Freedom Bill. So essentially, this is the law that's meant to um, allow the UK to unfetter itself from uh, EU legislation. And the government sort of committed to uh, essentially adapting or amending or repealing most of the EU law by the 31st of December 2023. Um, we don't know exactly what is likely to be targeted on the employment law front. Um, uh, but I would say just based on experience and the kind of areas that have been in the crosshairs in the past um, by, uh, by the Conservative government, um, I think we might expect to see some change around working time regulations, uh, the impact of TUPI, and also, I suspect, in relation to agency workers. 
all of those statutes have been very unpopular and have been uh, criticised in the past um, on the basis that we have gold-plated EU legislation. So there's likely to be some change in relation to those. The other um, perhaps major um, development is, is in relation to human rights. And for a long time, the government has been talking about replacing the Human Rights Act with a separate Bill of Rights. We thought that had kind of disappeared off the agenda, but more recently there's been a bit more uh, news and noise around um, bringing this in and creating effectively a new framework, which will still be based on the European Convention of Human Rights, but it will look different. And how different it will be, we don't have any de uh, detail on yet, but we can expect there to be some change and some development because again, this is an area that the government have been heavily critical of, particularly in relation to how the courts have interpreted the Human Rights Act. So I suspect there'll be some significant change there. Perhaps uh, a good segue actually uh, from that is in relation to the very various developments that are ongoing around data protection. So we have at the moment the UK GDPR, which is largely based on European legislation concerning data protection. What the government have done is they've made it clear they're going to produce a new British framework and that's going to uh, amend the current regime and replace it with something quite different. We don't have massive amounts of detail again on that but I suspect this is an area where the government will want to depart from some of the European law and try and make things simpler for business. Interestingly there's also on the theme of data protection a number of consultations that are ongoing right now that the ICO uh, have been conducting. So one of those is in relation to monitoring at work and a, a deadline is up on the 11th of January this year to uh, for people to feed back into that consultation on how monitoring at work should be done at the moment. There, there is guidance at the moment but I think they're looking to sharpen that up. Similarly in relation to workers health and how personal data, sensitive personal data is, is used and processed, uh, it is also being looked at. So we can expect to see more detail around guidance for employers in terms of how they use information and personal data that relates to health. On the 10th of January 2023, Parliament introduced a bill called the Strikes Minimum Service Levels Bill. Um, this is really uh, to allow the Secretary of State to set a minimum service level in a number of different sectors. So that's including health, transport and education. It's not too surprising that this bill has been pushed forward um, in the forefront of 2023 um, in mind of the enormous amount of strike action that is going on in the UK at the moment. That bill is going to need to be uh, fleshed out and there are going to need to be a series of consultations with the respective industries around what a minimum service level means. So there is more to follow on this, um, but this is quite a significant bill that has been passed in early 2023. So Emily, the other area where there's going to be a, a fair amount of change in relation to the family friendly agenda, and again, we've already talked about working patterns. Uh, perhaps you can tell us a bit more about those. Yeah, absolutely. So 
it does look like a lot of the bills are being supported that give greater rights to carers, which can only be a good thing, and also really harnessing and supporting agile working, which is a trend that we've seen post-COVID. And I certainly think that that's something that is here to stay and will be quite prevalent in 2023. Um, I won't go into much detail because, as I say, they're not in legislation at present, so we don't have the finer detail. But um, what we can say is it looks like the carers leave bill is going to be supported and that will introduce a new and flexible entitlement to one week's unpaid leave per year for employees who are providing or arranging care. Um, another interesting bill that's being supported, which is neonatal care. So this would allow parents to each, so not just mother, but mother um, and partner to take up um, 12 weeks paid leave in addition to any other entitlements such as maternity or paternity leave to spend more time with their premature children. Um, so that will apply to those parents who have babies who are admitted to hospital within their first 28 days of birth um, and if they stay in hospital for more than seven, seven days, which I think, yeah, that's that will be great additional support for those families. Um, other protections um, relate to um, pregnancy and maternity. So this is protection from redundancy. Um, so at the moment we have rights, um, extra enhanced protection for um, those who are pregnant or on maternity leave when it comes to um, redundancy selection. Um, but that's going to be extended for to during and after uh, the protected period of pregnancy. We don't know how long that period after will be, but it looks like that's going to be six months. But you know, we need to see the finer detail. And then, you know, something we've discussed in quite a lot of detail is flexible working. So coming out of COVID, lots of businesses will have seen an uptick in flexible working requests being made, not just because COVID has meant that lots of employees are demanding to work in a more flexible way, but employees are starting to, to know their rights that they can make a flexible working request under statute. And there was quite a lot of hype around um, the announcement in 2022 where it looks like the secondary legislation will be um, put in place where employees can make a request on day one of their employment um, for flexible working. Um, although we don't have a time frame when this will be put in place, I think what we have, the information we have at the moment is when parliamentary time allows. So <laughs> who knows what the timetabling will be. Um, and I think there will be, um, a greater look into the way in which employers consult over the options before rejecting a request um, and allowing employees to take to make two requests in a 12-month period at the moment it's only one and then also just looking at hybrid working so um, again a lot of employers are getting increased inquiries and requests 
to be not only to work from home, but work from lots of different locations, whether that's in or outside the UK. And if that's outside of the UK, that does pose um, some significant um, questions around tax implications. So in December 2022, the Office of Tax Simplification published um, findings of its review um, of tax implications of hybrid and distant working. And so I think we can see, see more to come on guidance around um, tax policy changes to benefits and expenses rules and, and also considerations around short-term and permanent cross-border working arrangements. I think this is a theme that is going to be quite a hot topic for 2023. So that's really the, the family-friendly and the working pattern changes. Thanks for that, Emily. It's perhaps just worth recapping that with quite a few exceptions, um, none of the commitments that we've just been through in relation to statutory change have yet got a clear timetable uh, for introduction. Um, we still are waiting for more detail as to when they're going to come through. And clearly, we also don't have a massive amount of detail about what they're actually going to do in terms of the shape of these things. We've got general concepts, but very little detail. So clearly there's going to be a lot more in terms of the flesh on the bone uh, for us to uh, look at and consider once these things develop, uh, as I expect they will, in the next 12 months. So Nick, we've talked a lot about um, legislation and what legislation may be passed in 2023, but we've also been looking and watching quite closely at some of the case law that is going to be appealed in the Court of Appeal. And I would like to just talk about two cases that I think are of interest, and hopefully we should get those Court of Appeal judgments um, this year in 2023. Um, the first case is on holiday pay. At the end of 2022, the Supreme Court heard a case from Northern Ireland Court of Appeal over the issue of whether the three-month break in a series of unlawful deductions for a claim of outstanding holiday pay breaks the claim. There were lots of case law um, in the last probably four or five years around holiday pay. And we thought that we were settled that the three-month break in the series did break the chain, but this case could call this into question. We are still waiting for the judgment um, it's going to have significant impact in Northern Ireland because unlike England and Wales, Northern Ireland doesn't have the statutory two-year limit on deduction of claims. So essentially, you know, Northern Ireland, if there isn't, if the three-month break disappears, then um, holiday pay claims could stretch back for years and years and years. It will have limited impact in England um, because we do have that two-year uh, statutory limit but if the three-month break is determined in the Supreme Court that will be binding on England so it will have some impact and it could make those holiday pay claims more lucrative for, for the employees pursuing them more costly for employers who are defending them. So the other cases that we're also watching quite closely relate to gender critical beliefs. There are several cases on appeal relating to the protection of gender critical beliefs under the Equality Act. 
whilst the court has accepted that gender critical beliefs are capable of protection, it's how they manifest which is resulting in the employment tribunal claims. So in 2022, we saw Bailey v Stonewall, um, where barrister Alison Bailey was successful in bringing tribunal claims of discrimination and victimization against her chambers because of gender critical beliefs, but unsuccessful against Stonewall. So you can see how um, similar facts play out and have different judgments. And also Higgs and Fairmore School, which concerned an employee who was disciplined because of inflammatory language used in social media posts, which could lead to readers to believe that she had transphobic or homophobic beliefs. And this is something that where we feel that there will be more case law in 2023 um, around gender critical beliefs and also an area that will be a hot topic for employers to make sure that they are thinking about their transgender um, policies in the workplace and really focusing their mind on being an inclusive employer. Nick, I know that there were a couple of cases that you wanted to mention. Yeah, thanks, Emily. Uh, perhaps a little bit more prosaic compared to what you've just been talking about, which is a obviously a very interesting area and an area where, as you say, there's going to be a lot more development, I think. But but we have got a couple of uh, cases in the higher courts. I'll mention the Supreme Court case of uh, Cocker and Angard Staffing Solutions. That concerns uh, the Regulation 13 of the Agency Worker Regulations on whether or not agency workers are entitled to apply uh, and be considered for relevant internal vacancies on par with direct employees. So we do that um, in, in, in uh, the next 12 months. Similarly, there's a case in the Court of Appeal dealing with unfair dismissal called Hope, the British Medical Association. And that's all to do with an employee brought various uh, numerous uh, grievances that were considered to be vexatious by the employer. He decided to dismiss the individual and also gave him a, a reasonable management instruction, as they argued, uh, to attend the grievance meeting, which he didn't. And so they dismissed him and that was considered to be fair. That's working its way through, say, the Court of Appeal. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get a decision on that very shortly too. Nick, I guess um, another thing that we should uh, look at, which unsurprisingly, we haven't seen much of during COVID and lockdown, but I know that um, you've seen a, an increase in sexual harassment cases and to think about what measures are due to come in on this subject too. Yeah, thanks, Emily. So I think without a shadow of doubt, um, during the COVID years, the incidence of, of sexual harassment claims and complaints and grievances fell away, as you'd expect it would. Um, when people are not in proximity, the incidence of that drops. Um, and, and what, curiously, we've seen, I think, for about the last 12 months, perhaps 12 to 18 months, is, is a gradual pickup of um, sort of more serious issues that relate to sexual harassment, with often, depending on the sector, the business sector, but where there's a regulator involved as well, it's an area where regulators are increasingly getting involved, looking at trying to regulate 
um, that type of mis misbehavior or misconduct. And it, it definitely appears to be a bit of a growth area. What we, what we know is that the government are looking at, um, have been looking at, at sexual harassment. Uh, they're looking to, to tighten and in, improve the level of rights around this area. And there's sort of various things they're proposing to do. So one of them is in relation to making it clearer where the lines are in relation to third party harassment of employees, uh, but also looking to sharpen the duty on employers to take reasonable steps to prevent sexual harassment of their employees, and also uh, to make provision for sort of greater enforcement powers in relation to that duty, as well as uplifting um, in cases where there's um, default by the employer of the duty and maybe in more aggravated cases. So this is again a, a sort of private members bill. The government have indicated support and it looks like it's an area uh, that's gonna grow further legs uh, and move. Emily, I know that you had a few uh, ideas as well in relation to things that you're seeing across your desk. So perhaps you'd want to come in and just tell us about those. Yeah, just as a, an ending thought, I think trends for 2023. Unfortunately, I do think with the cost of living crisis um, and employers also having to tighten their purse strings that we are going to and we have already started to see um, redundancies and that will include some large-scale redundancy exercises and also what continues to be a big theme and I, I feel will be a, a big topic for 2023 is mental health and employers do seems to still struggle um, with accommodating mental health, um, lots of campaigns and awareness, but in terms of the law and applying reasonable adjustments and disability discrimination claims, particularly your Section 15 uh, discrimination arising from disability, these are the tricky areas where I think employers are still grappling um, with this, particularly around mental health. And I, I do feel like this will be um, an ongoing theme of 2023. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. Hopefully you have found it a useful summary of what we think will be on the horizon for employment law in 2023. Um, we hope to do a series of podcasts throughout the year. So um, do watch this space. This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast. 